Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. You have likely never heard of the town of Flagstaff, Maine. If you have heard of the name Flagstaff, you've probably never visited that town. I can almost guarantee that you've never taken a stroll through the streets of Flagstaff, Maine. How can I be so confident? Well, because Flagstaff was flooded in the 1940s and now lies at the bottom of Flagstaff Lake, the largest man-made reservoir in the state of Maine. Interesting, they looked at the months leading up to the inundation of Flagstaff, and they noticed that during that time, all improvements and repairs in the whole town were stopped. Makes sense. What's the point of painting a home if it were to be covered with water in six months? Why repair anything when the whole village was about to be wiped out? So week by week, month by month, the whole town became more and more miserable, falling into a deeper state of disrepair. A resident of the town noted something interesting. He said this, where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. There's no faith in the future, There is no power in the present. Advent is a season of preparation that we experience during the month leading up to Christmas. The church traditionally over the course of its history has celebrated two seasons of preparation. Advent, of course, being the season that prepares us to celebrate the incarnation, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then Lent, is the season that prepares us to celebrate the resurrection. It's hard to call these seasons celebrations as they're intended to be times of of personal and corporate reflection on the significance of the events that they precede. Advent, sadly, has lost much of its significance as our contemporary world has turned it into the Christmas shopping season. If you hear someone say today that there's only 17 days until Christmas, the likelihood is is that you're hearing it from a child who's a little zealous about the gifts under the tree, but more than likely you're hearing it from a retailer who is encouraging you to get that last-minute shopping done, get it squared away before it's too late. And over the next 17 days, they'll offer more and more aggressive sales to to get you to leave your home and go into their stores or to visit their online shop. And while we do acknowledge that a great deal of the hustle and bustle of this season actually comes from a good place in our hearts, we we want to make sure that everything's finalized for our family get-togethers. We we want to make sure that that everything is, is set for our Christmas cantatas. Even still, it is wise for us to just slow down, just long enough to catch our breath and consider the remarkable gift of Emmanuel, God with us. 
That's what Advent is for. It allows us to pause and consider the good news of the Christmas season. Can you imagine, can you imagine Christmas if there was no season of preparation, if there was no, no spiritual time to, to pause and reflect on the significance of the day, if all it were were our secular pursuits? It would be kind of a miserable season. That's what Advent's for, to give us pause to consider the good news. And in our consideration of Emmanuel, of God with us, over the course of time, four themes have emerged. Peace, hope, love, and joy. Last week, we looked at the theme of peace. Not peace like the world gives, peace like Jesus gives. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that makes no sense in a world that's fraught with conflict. We know that peace that Jesus gives is it's not based on the absence of conflict, but on that concept of the Old Testament known as shalom. Peace that, that points to wholeness and completion. Peace that's guaranteed through a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not peace that we contrive or peace that we force. It's peace that we are granted through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's peace that grants us the means to be settled in the midst of trial and unrest. This morning I want us to consider the theme of hope. As we take just a few moments to look at the scriptures this morning, let us consider the source of our hope. This morning we find our hope spelled out for us in Isaiah chapter 9. If you're able, would you please stand with me as we read God's word together from Isaiah chapter 9. Beginning in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden... And the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God, I thank you for the prophet Isaiah who saw the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, centuries before he breathed his first breath in that Bethlehem barn. Father, as we look beyond our lifetimes and into the future, God, we know that there is a hope of a returning Savior who will come and make all things right. And so, Lord, as we celebrate this season, the incarnation as a historical fact, Lord, we look forward to the promise of a future that's governed and ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
God, would you bless our time as we consider these precious words today? For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the ministry of the prophet Isaiah occurred during a tremendous time of unrest for the nation of Judah. There, there generally was peace and prosperity during his ministry. It wasn't always the case. But even in the midst of the prosperity that they experienced, lurking off in the distance was the emergence of a kingdom of Assyria that would become the main political player in the region. Indeed, it would be the kingdom of Assyria that would be the ultimate undoing of that northern kingdom of Israel. And Isaiah warned and reminded the people that God was very much aware of their sin and idolatry. And if they did not turn from that sin and idolatry, then God would send judgment upon them. And we know the historical outcome is, in fact, God did send judgment against them. But Isaiah even looks to the future beyond Assyria. He predicts that a nation like Babylon would be an even greater threat to the nation. All that to say that even in the midst of prosperity and relative peace, there were very dark storm clouds that were brewing on the horizon. And we know what those storm clouds ultimately produced. The northern, southern kingdoms would be destroyed and vanquished by Assyria and Babylon. And even though God would preserve a remnant from Babylon, he allowed them to return and rebuild Jerusalem. The splendor of Jerusalem was truly lost. And when the prophets from that remnant penned their final words, Malachi being the last one to speak, God went silent. Not for a year. Not for a generation. But God was silent for 500 years. You know, when we read our Bibles, I'm not sure that we always grasp the amount of time that passes when we open our Bibles and we finish the Old Testament with the book of Malachi. We flip over just a page and we're right there in Matthew's gospel. But what we need to understand is between the time that Malachi finished and when the time that Matthew records, 500 years have passed. For 500 years, there was no prophetic voice, no one declaring, thus says the Lord. And God finally broke the silence when he interrupted the lives of an elderly priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth and a young woman named Mary betrothed to a man named Joseph. But even then, when speaking with those four individuals, God spoke through the proxy of an angel named Gabriel. Luke and Matthew tell us that it was this angelic messenger that brought the words to these family. It wasn't until the cry of a baby in a barn in Bethlehem that God broke the silence with his very own voice. Not thundering through the heavens, but the gentle cry of a newborn looking for the comfort of his parents. 
God shattered the silence of half a millennia with the birth of a baby. And the prophet Isaiah here looked forward this day eight centuries before it happened. In spite of the hardship endured by the nation, in spite of the upheaval that occurred during those eight centuries, in spite of everything that was stacked against them, faithful Jews never lost hope. They endured pain and hardship and trial and exile. Yet in spite of all the affliction that they endured, they longed for the reign of the one promised by the prophet. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And at the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There was coming a son of David. It was a promise of God that David's son would soon reign. They didn't know when. They didn't know under what circumstances. They had veiled prophetic references to Bethlehem and, and those sorts of things. But they knew that there was a promise of God that there was coming a son of David. And as Israel looked around at all their oppressors, they knew, they knew that one day there would be no more oppression as they suffered under the rule of foreign kings and, and rulers, they had the hope that one day, one day they would prosper under the rule of the one who was qualified to sit on David's throne. They had hope that endured because it was based on the character of a God who was always faithful to his promises. How do we know a son is coming? Because God has always kept his word and he will continue to keep his word and one day the son of David will reign. God was faithful. Always has been. Always will be. You know, today we find ourselves in a strangely similar set of circumstances to the Jews of Isaiah's day, though we live in the West and we enjoy a particular degree of prosperity, we had better be paying attention to the storm clouds that are brewing on the horizon. And the enemy today isn't some foreign government. After all, God's people exist all over the world today under all sorts of governments and rulers Instead, the enemy that we face today is, the, is an enemy of competing and contrasting views of the world. The enemy today are those who are hostile to our biblical version of Christianity, to biblical morals. And though today, we're, we're going to be all right today. It's all right today. We should have genuine concerns for our children and grandchildren tomorrow. Yet in spite of our concern for what tomorrow holds, we always must remember our hope. 
Listen, our hope today isn't in the birth of Jesus. It's already happened. Our, our hope today is not the promise that one day Jesus would be born. That's a, that's a historical fact. Our hope today, as we find ourselves resting in God's promise that Jesus will one day return. Church, I hope we haven't lost the hope that Jesus is coming back. I hope we haven't lost sight of the fact that one day Jesus will return and he will set all things right. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, and thir- through 11 through 13 describe it in terms of hope. Paul says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Waiting, listen, for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ Church, this is our hope today. This is the hope that our faith in the future gives us power in the present This hope of God keeping His Word is what allows us to weather our storms, to face our trials, to endure our sufferings. This hope is that which compels us to make sure that we never stop sharing, never stop preaching, never stop pointing our lost and dying friends and neighbors to the source of our strength and the source of our hope. You see, our hope in Jesus' return does not cause us to sit and wait. Rather, our hope in Jesus' return calls us to get up and work because we know He's returning. Our call as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to bring as many people along as we possibly can. I love the picture Jesus paints for us over in Luke chapter 14. He tells a parable of a great banquet. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give give a dinner or a banquet... Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor and the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And when one of those reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field, and I need to go out and, and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and there is still room. And the master said to his servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Church, we serve a God who desires for his house to be filled. 
And you'll notice the house that he wants filled doesn't look like the people who live there. He says, go out into the streets and get the people who you wouldn't normally invite. Get the people who don't look like they belong, that my house may be filled. If we truly have hope in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, if that is what is the gas to our engine, then we should be working and laboring and striving that the house may be filled. So as we think to the celebration of Jesus' birth, the fact of the incarnation and the promise of Jesus' return should only strengthen our resolve. Inasmuch as Jesus appeared the first time, listen, he is guaranteed to come again. And as we sing these wonderful songs of Advent, if you'll listen carefully, you might just find that some of these songs represent more than just reflections on Jesus' birth. But they call our hearts to look beyond Bethlehem. Instead of looking back at a historical event, they call us to look forward to the day when the skies will be peeled back like a scroll and God will speak with thunder from the heavens and all will hear. And every knee shall bow on heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, Thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. That song certainly speaks about Jesus' birth, but it calls us to think about more than just his birth. That song calls us to look to the day that he, he will call us to raise us and he will bring us to that glorious throne. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until when? Until the Son of God appears. That's a future-looking song. Calling us to look to the day that the Son of God appears again. Even joy to the world, the Lord has come, but let earth receive her King. Certainly, these songs call us to look back. But I believe they call us just as much
to look forward as well. So many of the hymns of Christmas, I believe, will also be the songs that we sing to welcome our Lord. Is it any wonder that the last prayer of the Bible, offered up by John at the end of his prophetic vision, it sounds almost like a Christmas hymn. What's he say? Last prayer of the Bible. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's our hope. And I believe God is going to be faithful and keep every last promise that he's made. I believe God is going to be faithful and that one day there will be a trumpet sound and the sky will be peeled back and Jesus will come through in power and glory and those who are alive will receive him and those who are dead in Christ will be raised to life and will join him in the air. I believe that as much as I believe I'm standing before you today. And because I believe it, it doesn't matter what tomorrow holds. Because I know, as cliche as it sounds, who holds tomorrow. Where's your hope today? What, what are you hoping in today? Are you hoping that an election in 2020 will make everything right? You ain't paying attention. If you're honestly hoping that next year gets it figured out, you are setting yourself up for tremendous disappointment. Are you hoping your 401k will survive until you no longer need it? Are you placing all your hope in a relationship with another person? Is all your hope in the skill of a physician if you've placed your hope in these places, then you've set yourself up for failure. Instead, this morning, let me invite you to find hope in the only place that will never let you down, and that is in the blessed hope that Paul speaks of in Titus, the promise that one day Jesus will return and will set things, all things right in accordance with his goodwill. Bow your heads with me, please. There are countless things in this world crying for your attention, making promises to you. Some promises will be kept. Some promises are good. But only the promises of God are guaranteed. If you take $100,000 to the bank today, they tell you that that money is guaranteed. That if something terrible were to happen, that your money would be good. Think for just a moment, who makes that guarantee? Who backs up that promise? What you'll find is that the one who guarantees that is not able to keep its word. It's not able to keep its promises. There's only one who's kept every promise that's ever been made. 
There's only one who's been faithful to do everything that he said. And he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's kept every word, every promise. And he has promised us that one day the Lord Jesus will return and will gather his church from all corners of the earth. Even today as we collect Lottie Moon offerings and we send missionaries to dark corners of the world, we do so because we understand that seated around the throne room in heaven will be people from every nation, tribe, and tongue because God keeps every one of his promises. And so while you may hope in lots of things, You may hope in your job, you may hope in your savings, you may hope in your relationships, you may hope in all sorts of different things. Listen to me, if your hope is not based on the Lord Jesus Christ and His promises and His character, if your hope is not based in the promise of His return, the resurrection of the dead that He guaranteed by His own resurrection, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. But I want to invite you today that your hope can be changed. And today, by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, your hope, instead of on these earthly things, your hope will then be placed in Him. The only one who's fully able to keep every promise that He's ever made. I would invite you in just a moment as we stand and sing that if you've not given your life to Jesus, If you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that he died on a cross and paid the penalty for your sins, that you might live eternally and stand in forgiveness, not in condemnation. If you've you've not put your faith in that promise from Jesus, then you're not yet a Christian. And today's the day you need to give your life to Jesus and be born again. That your hope will no longer be in all these earthly things that can fail, but your hope will be in the divine promises and the one who's able to keep them. In just a moment, we'll stand and sing, and I would invite you to come down front, just take my hand, take Spencer's hand, and say, Pastor, I'd like to meet Jesus today. I'd like to give my life to Jesus. I'd like to have this hope and this peace of which you've spoken. And your life can be changed and transformed today. And just like we had baptism earlier today, you too can let that faith be declared publicly through the act of baptism. In just a moment, I'll give you an opportunity. We stand, you just come down front and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ today and know this hope of which you speak. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, you've been walking with the Lord for a while, but you find that you don't think much about his second coming. You're, you're worried more about what tomorrow holds and not what Jesus holds. And maybe today you just need to take some time and pray, Lord, recapture my heart, recapture my vision. And, and join with the church as we pray. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Join with John as he prays at the end of his words. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We're going to stand together and sing, and you respond as the Lord would lead. God, would you move in our hearts and call those to faith today who need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. 
If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.